Hi, everybody. This is Jay. And this is Mark. And we'd like to welcome you to Backstage Pass. We take you behind the magic and inside Disney history, pulling back the curtains and letting you see the Disney magic and history up close. With an eclectic mix of entertaining topics, humor, and tons of information and details, we want to keep you learning and smiling. So here is your Backstage Pass. A new episode of CSI Orlando, now on CBS. They're interviewing guests now. Yes, there are two victims for whom the party has apparently ended. Oh, back here, Lieutenant Payne. Looks like they came up from behind him. ID badge says Randy Duran. Looks like a hired security guard for the event. Yeah, except we sent a picture from his badge to his employer, uh, Rollin Security, and this isn't Duran. The real Duran hasn't been seen since yesterday morning. Unfortunate for the real Mr. Duran, we may have a third body. Perhaps one of our thieves didn't feel like sharing. Let's see if we can get an idea on our imposter here. Let's start looking for the real Mr. Durand. What's this on the body? We're unsure. It's like a tiny piece of paper. Looks like a shard of a ticket of some kind. Be sure they bag it carefully. Yes, sir. Uh, over here in the next room, there's a hidden room safe. Here's the second victim, the homeowner, Jack Brendersby. Looks like he was forced to open the safe. There's ligature markings on his neck. Yeah, we found a brown Mickey Mouse tie thrown behind the desk. I assume it was the Vicks. And the safe? Looks like our thief was also into arson. Accelerant was placed here, along this wall. Yeah, the overhead sprinklers were tampered with, but did eventually kick on. There was quite a bit of damage. We did uh, a possible inventory of items in the safe, uh, and it does show something inside in the second wall safe, uh, listed as Disneyland Prospectus. It's not there now. Any idea what it is? No, sir. Seems like someone wanted to cover their tracks pretty well after stealing this Disney thing. Enough to burn and murder. Get me Mark and Jay. Mark, Jay, thanks for coming. Maybe you can shed a little light on this theft. Ah, uh, sure. Uh, glad to help. We did an inventory of the safe contents as well as we could with the damage, and Brandersby was a big-time Disney collector. Right. But the only thing we could see that was missing was the Disneyland prospectus. And you know, it'd be quite amazing if you did have one, because I've only ever heard of one other one being found. Right. If it was an original Disneyland prospectus, it was worth a small fortune. Tell me some history about this... prospectus. In 1948, Walt sent a memo detailing his plan for Mickey Mouse Park. He described Main Street, a cowboy town, and a carnival section. 
but his brother Roy, who managed the studio's finances, wouldn't hear of it at the time. The studio had a large debt to the Bank of America since none of Disney's post-war films had produced a profit. In 1951, Walt commissioned Harper Goff to draw inspirational sketches based on his dream. Animator Ward Kimball recalled that initially Walt was going to build an amusement park across from the studio on Riverside Drive. He was thinking of putting in a little-scale railroad that would zigzag its way over to the studio lot. The track would go through different sound stages so the riding tourists could see how films were made. But as plans grew larger and the name changed to Disneyland, his brother Roy helped Walt to set up the side company to oversee the park design. The company was formed independently from Walt Disney Productions to keep the affairs separate. Although later, when Wed was required to build and design sets for Walt Disney's live-action television shows, Wed and the Walt Disney Studios got closer together. In 1952, when Wed was asked to design and build Disneyland, Walt and his brother Roy formed Disneyland Inc. to build, design, and manage Disneyland and produce the soon-to-follow Disneyland television show. Eventually, Disneyland Inc. was absorbed into Wed Enterprises, and Wed Enterprises became a division of Walt Disney Studios, itself a division of Walt Disney Productions, now named the Walt Disney Company. By the early 50s, Walt was totally absorbed in planning for this new theme park venture. Walt explained to a reporter why he was so determined to build a park. Quote, it's something that will never be finished, something I can keep developing and adding to. When you wrap up a picture and turn it over to Technicolor, you're through. It's gone. The park will get more beautiful every year, and it will get better as I find out what the public likes. I can't do that with a picture. It's finished and unchangeable before I find out whether the public likes it or not. About this same time, Charles Luckman had just used Harrison Buzz Price of the Stanford Research Group to research a stadium site in Hawaii, and Luckman told Walt that he should use the group to research a site for Disneyland. Walt hired them, and their analysis concluded that the tract of land in Orange County was the best suited. The 160-acre Ball Road subdivision consisted of only 17 owners and about 4,000 Valencia orange trees. The property was also fairly inexpensive as about $5,000 an acre. The property was purchased and Walt and his brother Roy now had to figure out how to finance the construction of the park. To start, Disney used his own funds, borrowing against a life insurance policy and another $50,000 from the bank. He no sooner completed his new house at the Smoke Tree Ranch when he sold it for the cash. He even convinced studio employees to invest and they formed a Disneyland Boosters and Backers Club. Money was tight, but Roy was encouraged when a banker called and told him that they had agreed to provide an initial loan for the park. Disney had his seed money. But Walt knew they would need a lot more capital, and for that he was relying on television. Walt was one of the few film executives who saw television as an ally and not an enemy. He told the New York Times that television may kill off the B-movie, but it would help advertise movies in general, and that he intended to take full advantage of this potential and create a new motion picture audience. As early as March 1950, Walt had suggested creating a show for television, hoping that it would allow financing for his park concept. Wed purchased the rights to the popular book, The Mark of Zorro, and he went to NBC, ABC, and CBS to sell the series. He was outraged that all of the networks first demanded a pilot. Why should I make a pilot with all of my years in the film business? He fumed. As the amount of families with televisions reached two-thirds of the country, Roy also continued to push a Disney television show concept, particularly with sponsor General Foods. He told Walt that they wouldn't mention the financing of Disneyland yet. 
he would use it as a bargaining chip, conceding points in the television budget in return for the sponsor taking a position in the theme park. With the studio having purchased the property and the need for money becoming critical, Roy planned a last-minute trip to New York in late September to discuss the possibility of ABC becoming involved in both a television series and financing the park. Staff writer Bill Cottrell sent him an outline of four television possibilities, including a vague one-hour show incorporating material from Disney movies, promoting new Disney films, and reporting on Disneyland's progress. He also suggested a five-day-a-week, 15-minute program of the Mickey Mouse Club airing live from Disneyland, a weekly half-hour true-life program taken from the studio's nature footage and a 30-minute World of Tomorrow series with live action and animation depicting man's past and future. The main problem was that Roy needed more than the dated Harper Goff original sketches and Marvin Davis elevation drawings. He needed to show the investors what the park could look like. Herb Ryman, an art director who'd worked at the studios in the 40s, was working at home on a painting on a Saturday in September 1952 when he received a call from an old colleague, Dick Irvine. Irvine told him that he was at the studio and that Walt wanted a word with him. Walt got on the phone and asked him to come over to the studio. Ryman said, when? He said, now, how long will it take you to get here? He said 15 minutes if he came as he was and a half an hour if he dressed. Walt told him to come as he was, and Walt met him at the studio gate. Walt said, hi Herb, we have a new project. It's sort of an amusement park. He asked Walt what he was going to call it, and he said Disneyland. Walt described Disneyland, and he said, Roy has to go to New York on Monday to raise money for the project. We need a plan to show what it will look like. You know the bankers don't have any imagination. Ryman said, who's going to do the plan? And Walt said, you are Herb. Ryman responded, I don't even know what it's supposed to be. And Walt said, if I stay here with you and tell you what it is, will you make the drawing? Ryman didn't see how that would really help, but he said that Walt was so passionate with tears welling up in his eyes that Ryman agreed. With tuna sandwiches and milkshakes, Ryman worked as Walt chain-smoked and described the park. Ryman worked straight through, sleepless for 42 hours, and had the rendering done just in time for it to be airmailed to New York. So the first drawing of Disneyland was done over a Saturday and a Sunday. Through intense negotiations, ABC agreed to take on both the series and the theme park. ABC chairman Leonard Goldenson was desperate to strike a deal with Disney and even worked out some creative financing with Carl Hoblitzall, who owned several theater circuits and later had struck oil in Texas. He put up $5 million. The New York Times reported that the deal was the first move by a leading studio into the home entertainment field, concluding that the end result could indeed change the complexion of the entertainment business, which it certainly did. And wrapped up in all of that history is the infamous Disneyland Prospectus. Well, in 1952, prior to the agreement with ABC, Walt Disney drew up three copies of a nine-page business plan, maps included, to present to bankers in New York City. He was originally fishing around for about $5 million he needed as seed money for the park, and the prospectus was his way of showing what investors would get for their money. Unfortunately, the New York bankers rejected Disney's proposal, and that is when they turned to ABC. For unknown reasons, one of the original New York bankers that Disney flew out to meet in 52 kept the prospectus locked away in his files. Decades later, the prospectus ended up in a Long Island yard sale, and from there in the hands of a collectibles dealer who took it and a stack of other papers to sell at an antiques show. If you've ever caught an episode of the PBS series Antiques Roadshow, you've probably seen him. He's the appraiser wearing a Hawaiian shirt, 
bright orange Converse high-top sneakers, and an impressive length of silver hair tied in a ponytail. Gary Summers, the self-professed king of pop culture. Summers said, I visited this one dealer's table making a pile of things that I thought were interesting. As I was digging, I came across this manila folder with rub-on letters that said Disneyland on the front. I picked it up and threw it on my pile of stuff and paid $200 for everything. Following the show, Somers met with a friend who happened to be Disney's archivist. I showed him the prospectus and asked him if it was any good, and he said, You don't know what this is. This is the prospectus to Disneyland. Even we don't have this. Since discovering the extent of his find, Somers has had several offers, one for as much as $100,000. He politely declined in all instances, and the prospectus rests safely in a safe deposit box. So this stolen one, owned by Brendersby, must be another of the three original prospectus. Right, I've never heard of its existence, but somebody must have known about it. Maybe Brendersby had talked about it with some of the other collectors. Do you have any leads on his murder? Yes, we found this at the crime scene. It's a small ticket shard from the Islands of Adventure. We believe the murderer left it accidentally at the scene. It has a partial print, which we were able to match to... Uh, Hugh Neversol. Neversol? Our arch enemy against all things Disney? I thought he was in Europe. Doesn't Disney security keep an eye on him? This photo was taken by a Disney security camera at Walt Disney World. Clearly he was in town. That doesn't make sense. Neversol would have a premiere pass, not a regular ticket like this one. Yeah, and look at the date on the security camera photo. Three days ago. Right taken just inside the Magic Kingdom on Main Street. Something is just not right with this photo. Hmm. That, that's it. Look here, really small in the background. An RU23 poster. Those posters had been removed by this date. This photo is a fake. Someone was able to get that photo into the Disney security system so you'd find it. So someone is... Framing Mr. Nefesol? As much as I'd like him to be guilty, he's not your man. Why would he even want the Disneyland prospectus? Right. But we do know someone who would want it. A Disney collector who would stop at nothing to obtain what she so desperately wants. Annabelle Jacobson. The notorious Disney Anna. Gentlemen, we need to find this Disney Anna. It will take a little work, but, uh... But I know just how to do it. Mark, great idea having Somers Disneyland Prospectus on public display for the first time ever at this Winter Garden Branch Library. And no one will suspect it's just a clever recreation of the original. I only hope this works. It should just be too much of a temptation for Disney Anna to resist. If she was willing to murder for the other one, she'll try and take this one as well. They're getting ready to open the doors to let the crowd in. We have cameras scanning them out there using oblique angle facial recognition software, but so far, we haven't spotted her. Check in. We're going to open the doors. Uh, number one here. In position in the non-fiction section. They have some very interesting books on it. Number two is here in reference. Number three, here in the children's section. This is Jay. I'm close to the glass case with the prospectus. Watching it near the computer terminals. All right. 
let's put our plan into action. Get ready to open the doors. Hey, Lieutenant, Lieutenant, we got it. What? Where? Across the street in the car. The facial recognition software got a hit, and sure enough, she was just about to pull away. She put up a bit of a struggle, but we got her. And the stolen prospectus was in the vehicle as well. Excellent job. Take her in for booking. Uh, I wonder why she was across the street from the library and not coming inside. Perhaps she was casing the library? Seems a somewhat strange way to steal a prospectus. Unless... Unless she wasn't trying to steal it. If she destroyed it, hers would become even more valuable. A bomb! Get everyone out of the library, now! Go, go! Back, everyone back! Get that crowd back! Was everyone clear? Yeah, Lieutenant, we're all clear. Jay, over here. Hey, are you all right? Yeah. Well, at least we got Disneyana. <laughs> wow, look at all of these pages. Looks like the library's a total loss. It's a small price to pay. To get a rabid Disney collector off the street. Well done, gentlemen. Where is that music coming from? I'm not exactly sure. If you'd like to see our source information for this topic or have questions or comments, please join us on the Inside the Magic forums in the Backstage Pass with Jay and Mark section. This is Jay. And this is Mark saying we'll see you next time Backstage.